10 to 1, episode 51. Top 10 games to teach children. Welcome to 10 to 1, the podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Melissa Kozer. And I'm Brian Kozer. And tonight, we are talking about games to teach children. And it's not just games we're excited about teaching our children, or this list would just be a list our of our favorite, favorite games, games. Right. But it's a list of games we want to play with our children to teach them something specific. And so it's going to be 10 games, and each game is going to have at least one thing that we want our children to learn, and we think this game is a good way to teach them. Is that about how you did yours? I think I explained it about that way to you. Yeah, I kind of looked at our shelves and thought, okay, what games do we have? What could we learn from them or teach with mm-hmm. them? And uh, And then... A lot of them I realized kind of would sort of teach the same thing that I was going for. (laughs) So then that helped narrow down the more unique games and what we could learn from them. So that was how I ended up mostly making my list. There's a few games on here I have not ever played, Mm. but I do want to own someday. And... The reason for that is because of what it it can teach us mm-hmm. and our children. Okay. Yeah. I have about the same thing. I think two of the games, two of the games on here, we or three of the games we own, one we own and we've never played it. So. Three of them we, we don't own and have never played. And then a fourth one on my list, we've played several times, but we don't own. Yeah. So we shouldn't have too much overlap, but no, I, I think, think we'll so. have I think we'll have two overlap. That's my prediction. Mm, I'm interested to see what we could have overlapping. So All we'll right. see. All right. Well, why don't you start us off with number 10? All right. And don't really read too much into oh, yeah, the yeah, ranking yeah. order of these. Uh, I, I think like my top three or four, I guess my top five, I thought, yeah, these are... These are things like life lessons and stuff that I want our kids to to learn. And I think the board game will do a good job of teaching that. But certainly the bottom five, uh, I just think it's good things to learn. And they're not in any order, really. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I put mine in roughly chronological order. Okay. <clears throat> so I'll start off with ones that we're going to teach them when they're younger and end yeah. up with ones that'll be... No, mine's a mishmash. Oh, that's fine. I just didn't feel like I could really rank necessarily what I wanted them to learn. Right. And, I mean, there's going to be things that are general, things that any kind of game can teach, like, well, we can get, we might get into that. We might that. get into that, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and start with number 10. Okay, well, my number 10 is a game called Witness, and specifically hmm. with this one, I think it will help teach the importance of having a good memory and working (laughs) on that. And yes, I know there's the game memory and uh, Mm -hmm. there's other games that teach memory building. But in this one, it's like you're trying to solve a crime. And so if you don't have a good memory and you're not 
uh, you're, it's a group of four people, exactly four. You're all working together trying to solve this crime. And if someone in that chain doesn't have a good memory, you might not be able <laughs> to solve the crime. And so, and that can be kind of frustrating <laughs> yeah. for everybody. But I, I think that's a really kind of a fun way to teach the importance of noticing details and focusing on remembering what you saw, what you noticed. So that's my number 10, witness. Okay. Good thing to practice your memory. All right, my number 10 is Robot Turtles. Have you ever heard of this game? No, I haven't. Okay, it's a kid's game. It would be, I, I would have to look up, I didn't look up any of the ages for this one, but I want to say like five or six years old maybe is a target age. And it's a programming game where you are controlling your little robot turtles by, uh, I think you have cards, you set them out in a certain order, and then your turtles follow those directions. So maybe you set out a card for go forward, and then the card right. for turn left, and the card for go in reverse, and you're moving your turtles. I think you're trying to collect items, and there's simpler games and more complex games for when they get older. But yeah, just having that uh, logic, simple programming mindset. I don't think it's important for every child to learn how to program a computer to learn to code, but I think the thought process that goes into that is really helpful and being able to hmm. break something, break down a goal that you want to achieve into steps and then planning ahead, setting those steps. Okay. I think it'll be useful. So it was designed by a computer programmer huh. and is a popular Kickstarter game and yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good. So might have to look into this one in a few years. So that's my number 10, Robot Turtles. Interesting. I'm glad that you don't think every child needs to learn how to program. Some people do. Really? Yeah. I'm. Why? Um, because there's so many jobs that are going to be um, related to programming. Um, I mean. Not everybody can be a computer programmer. Not everybody can be an astronaut. Right. I mean, there's some things that you think everybody should learn, I bet, that not everybody will be able to do very well. Yeah. Like, uh, would you say everybody should learn music, for example? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of yeah. like that. Some people just think... And I knew you were going to bring that up, but it's different. Music it's or different. literature or yeah. some of these other things. Right. Pe there's some people that just think that that's a, a skill people should have nowadays. Yeah. So... Um, I see we can talk about that in, yeah. in a future podcast, I think. But uh, I think the thought process is is at least good to know. Helpful, yeah. In the same way basic mathematics are, yeah. are helpful. Okay. All right. Well, my number nine is a card game called Dutch Blitz. <laughs> and in this, you have your hand of cards and a deck of cards that you're trying to get out onto the playing field as it as it were mm -hmm. and you're trying to get through your your deck of cards and okay. um do it before everybody else gets through their deck of cards and i think this game really promotes fast thinking and quick reflexes yes you can learn quick reflexes other th in other games or in other you know, in real life situations. But in this one, it's a fun way to do it. For one thing, it's a safe way to do it. <laughs> and then uh, you have got to be really 
aware of what's going on out in the playing field as you're flipping, also flipping through your deck of cards. Uh, there's a lot of things to keep track of all at the same time. So mm-hmm. it promotes multitasking at a very rapid pace. And I think that's a good thing to have, a good skill to learn. And then quick reflexes, too, are just a good thing to have along with that. So that's my number nine, Dutch Blitz. Okay. Do you think Dutch Blitz skills translate well to, um, I don't know, uh, like like sports or, um, I don't, I'm trying to think of something else where you'd need like quick reflexes or being able to pay attention to things, uh, driving yeah. or I'd say like at that. least the multitasking at a rapid pace mm-hmm. is very useful. Okay. And quick reflexes are always going to be useful in uh, just many scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to have quick reflexes. All right, my number nine, and this one is not a board game, just specified games. So there's two on my list uh, that aren't board games, actually. Well, I guess my that last one for me was a card game. Okay, well, not a board or a card game, yeah. not a tabletop game. It is a uh, closer to a sport kind of a game, and I think sports are good. You kind of learn um, how to control your body and just get some good physical fitness, but I didn't choose baseball or football or soccer, any of those. Instead, I went with ball tag. Have you ever played ball tag, Melissa? I have not played ball tag. I'll definitely have to play it. I've heard of it. Oh, you haven't? Okay, well. It's a Coser family... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure other people have played it, but huh. we definitely played it a lot. So it's the same thing as tag, which I'm sure you've played tag at least. Yes. Only and you're throwing balls at people? Except there's some sort of foam ball okay. that you can throw a good distance and not hurt people. And what that does is, well, a few things. First of all, you don't have to be the fastest anymore. So it levels That's the playing true. field. You can play with different ages a lot more easily. You better have a good throwing arm, though, and uh, good aim. Well, you can either run fast and tag them with the ball, or, yep, you can develop that arm. And that's one of the skills I think it's good to learn. How to throw a ball. It's a good, uh, maybe not quite a natural movement, but something that you can pick up pretty easily. And since that comes into play in in a bunch of games and sports, then it's a good thing to learn. Uh, Hand-eye coordination. You're kind of alluding to that with Dutch Blitz. I think I think I like this one better for that. Uh, and awareness of your surroundings. Uh, sort of uh, evasion. We'd usually play at a playground, so you'd be trying to hide or, or duck behind things. Right. Uh, trying to figure out, okay, can I get them to run in this direction and sort of corner them? So you kind of have to develop some tactics. And yeah, I guess yeah. I kind of wish that you had mentioned this could also include like that kind of game, sports and stuff. Oh, well, sorry, physical I just said activity games. Because yeah, I might have added some to my list as well. But Feel free to change your list. No, I'm talk. not a wishy-washy person to change. Oh, I do that all the time. Change when I encounter change. How's that? How's that poem go by Elizabeth? Browning. I don't know, but I don't think she was talking about top ten lists. Love is not love, which changes when change it encounters or something like yep. that. Yep, not not podcasting either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, new information comes. Feel free to apply that new information as you will. But yeah, I we had a lot of fun playing ball tag growing up, and even playing. Did you play freeze tag? Oh yeah, growing up. So we'd also a lot of times play freeze tag with a ball. Our favorite version of freeze tag tag was called toilet tag. Mm, Whoever got frozen had to get down on one knee with their arm outstretched, and then the person that came to unfreeze them would sit down on their other knee and push their arm down (laughs) it was was pretty fun wow nope never played that one but might have to try it (laughs) so yeah i think this is a really good simple game you can play just about anywhere outside you just need a ball and i mean we had fun playing it with our parents so looking forward to playing this with our kids sometime okay that's ball tag it sounds like Dodgeball with no place, no mm-hmm. specified area that yeah, you can't basically. go out of. And you know I like dodgeball. It's like dodgeball, but a lot more running, a lot more evading, because you're not just facing each other and whipping balls into each other's face. So, trust me, it's good. I think I like the structure idea better of dodgeball. I, you've never played ball tag, so you don't have... You don't have a comparison. Just because I have never experienced something doesn't mean I can't have an opinion about it, okay? I've never experienced drugs, but I'm pretty sure it's not something I should go out and try. Mm, Moving on. False equivalency. What's your number eight? My number eight is Balderdash, the game. Balderdash. So in this game, you are making up... All sorts of things. You are given a word and you have to make up a definition for it that sounds real. Or you're given the plot of a movie or the title of a movie and you have to think up a plot for it. Or you're given an acronym. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you have to figure out what those letters might stand for or come up with something. And you're trying to get everybody to think that your answer that you came up with is actually the real answer. So I think Balderdash promotes creativity. And I think that is something that is very important to encourage. And sure, this one is more word-related, but that's not a bad thing if it can encourage us to think and speak more creatively, then that would be good because out of so many words in the English language, we don't really use very many of them on a daily basis, I would say. And so just any time that you can be a little more creative in your thought and speech patterns, that's a good thing. So that's my number eight, Balderdash. All right, my number eight is but wait there's more you know this is my honorable mention okay yeah yeah this one is where you're playing a salesperson on an infomercial you're trying to sell some sort of a product so maybe it's a spatula spatula and then you have some random cards that say uh, you know it's a has holes for better drainage or something, right? Or and then, draw uh, attract you to women, yeah. things like that. And so you have to come up with like a thirty second, off the top of your head, really quick sales pitch. And halfway through, you flip over another card, and really off the cuff, then 
right got right, to right. make that fit and it could be something completely opposite to what you were talking about but somehow you've got to make this swing to your advantage right yeah so uh creativity improvisation speaking ability just not getting nervous when speaking to people in front of people all those things having enthusiasm about a product sure making the audience feel that they need this product pretending you're enthusiastic yeah that's a good skill <laughs> <laughs> i have used it a couple times <laughs> yep so real simple game a good one i think for our children and that is number eight but wait there's more all right, my number seven is a game called The Resistance, and I might wait until they're a little older to teach them this. Because you want them to learn how to lie? I think it promotes the ability to bluff and to also the ability to tell when somebody's bluffing. <laughs> um, I mean, now it is a little harder to tell when somebody's bluffing if they're really good at it, good at it but... Uh, I think there's some good times when it's uh, when you might want to be able to bluff, not lie, but bluff. Hmm. Mm. No, you're lying in this game. You'll just have to take that risk. No, but I think it is a good skill to have. Uh, somebody <laughs> asks, uh, I don't know, something birthday related, for example, or... Your husband starts getting all excited about how he wants to buy this gift for himself for his birthday, and you've already bought that gift for his birthday, and you're really trying hard to not show your anxiety <laughs> over how he's really hyped about buying that gift tonight. <laughs> and so you say, well, why don't you just... Years. years. I think it's happened more recently than you think, but my... <laughs> forgiving memory i'm not gonna say forgetful memory has i can say it if you can't has a hard time <laughs> oh, retrieving does. the data right now <laughs> but I, i'm pretty sure it has happened a little more recently than you think but anyway i'm just saying there's times where it's good to be able to bluff or for example you're at somebody's house and uh you're eating some food and and it doesn't it it isn't quite everything you would hope it to be, and they say this is their favorite meal. And what do you think of it? Well, this is a good time to bluff. Hmm. And what is the difference between bluffing and lying? Remind me. Bluffing is okay. Lying is not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be something like that. So that's my number seven. The resistance. Are you sure that's your number seven? Yes. It did seem convincing. It's my number seven. <laughs> okay, I guess I believe you. My number seven is Balderdash. Hooray! A little crossover there. Creativity, writing. That's my number seven. Don't really have anything to add. Yeah. Balderdash. All right, my number six is a game called Fuse. And in this one, <laughs> it's cooperative. You all have these bomb cards that you're trying to dismantle before time runs out. What is it, like eight-minute timer, I think? Yeah, ten minutes. 10 minutes? Okay. It sure feels a lot shorter than 10 minutes. And uh, <laughs> hmm. 
especially if you download the app that's got this timer ticking back, ticking on and on in the background, and and it's really a stressful game. And you're rolling these <laughs> dice, and you're trying to see uh, who can take what die. And oh wait, I need that die. And oh man, you already used it. And now we have to re-roll these other dice. And well, now we're uh, taking two steps back instead of going forward like we need to be. And it is a very stressful cooperative game, but I think it's a good one for teaching calmness and clear thinking under pressure. Mm-hmm. So that you don't just freeze up when, and get all panic when you get panicky. You learn to just roll with what comes. Get what I did there? Roll with the dice. Hmm. Roll with what comes. And so mm-hmm. you learn to keep your temper under control as well and... and not get frustrated when somebody takes that one die that you really needed. And you learn to work together, but uh, most importantly, it's you stay calm and and are able to focus and say, okay, I need this, but you need this other die more. So you take it and I'll wait uh, for another die that'll come at a later roll. So yeah, that's my number six, Fuse. All right. My number six is a game called America. Do you remember this game? Pretty generic name. Yeah, I think I do. It's sort of like Wits and Wagers, if you've played that. Right. But with a board with a map of the 50 states, uh, with a few other things there on the board and a few other accoutrements. And uh, it's sort of similar to Wits and Wagers where you have some sort of trivia question. It might be about history. It might be about geography. It might be about pop culture. And you're trying to get your answer the closest. And so, for example, you have that map of the states. And maybe the question will be, in what state was George Washington born? And so someone might think, might say okay uh maybe it's massachusetts and they put a put their marker down on massachusetts and the person thinks oh it's virginia and they put put a marker down on virginia and then you uh check the answer and i think in i think for this one it's whoever is on the state that's correct gets a point and if you're on an adjacent state or in the same region you still get a points but fewer something like that anyway uh it, it's a good kind of trivia game where you don't have to know the exact answer you can get close and uh in the same way that wits and wagers is a pretty fun activity i think this one would also be fun but more with some more educational yeah. more useful uh specifically united states uh, geography just yeah uh, knowing where the states are in relation to each other and a little bit of U.S. history, and then some some other fun questions in there as well. So, I think this is one we we could pick up at some point and yeah, pop it out with the children, use it as an ad hoc geography lesson, <laughs> but still have some fun while doing it. Right. Well, I think that's but one of the better ways to learn geography. Honestly, is if mm-hmm. you're just staring at the map, but in a fun way. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of seeps into your mind without you realizing it. Right. Yeah, I think games are really good with teaching when they don't, when they're not necessarily trying to be too... Teachy. Yeah, Yeah. didactic. 
went. I mean, you can make some really boring games, and I've right. played some really boring teaching games, <laughs> and I don't think those are as good at teaching as those that try to be fun and engaging as games, right? While at the same time, teaching, yeah, as a auxiliary uh, purpose. So, right. yeah. So yeah, I don't have any games on here that are. This was made as a game to teach. They're games that I have a, I are think still going I have to like teach. One, I think. Okay, and that's fine. I mean, you can certainly but it looked, do that. It looked interesting. It looked okay. It looked fun enough as a game. Right. So. Right. Okay. Anyway, that's my number six, America. All right, my number five is a game called Pastiche. Hmm. Okay. Teach colors. Hopefully, by the time we're teaching this game to our kids, they already know their colors. Now, we have not played this game. We did watch a review. I'm going to read the board game geek description of it. A world of beautiful colors comes alive in pastiche as players choose commission cards picturing 34 of the finest European artworks of the past six centuries. Players score their commissions by mixing primary colors through clever tile placement and recreating the palette of colors used by the masters who created these works. Explore the paintings, palettes, and pasts of the artists in this unique and challenging game for the whole family. I think it's so, palette. Then why is it a double T? Because it's from the French, but we pronounce it uh, differently because we're Why don't Americans? you look it up right now? Because I think it's palette. But anyway, I think I think this is a really good way to learn some art history and and just general knowledge about art. That's uh, one really weak spot of mine is I know next to nothing about famous works of art or like who who did them, uh, what era they're from, why are these works considered famous, why are they considered to be masterpieces. So uh, that's something that I for just for myself I'm interested in increasing my knowledge of, and I'm sure. Uh, it would be a good way to teach our kids as well. So that's my number five, pastiche. Yeah, it looks like it's palette. I don't see any. Well, I'm not going to believe you until I see it with my own eyes because you might be bluffing. Or alternate pronunciations, I should say. You never can tell. You never can tell. All right. My. Oh, and I forgot to mention with America, my number six, there's also a game called Fauna. And that one teaches, that one's very similar, except it's a map of the right. world, and you're trying to figure out where animals are. So yeah. that one is a little bit of geography, a little bit of animal knowledge. Yeah. And that's that's also a, a similar type game. Anyway, I picked for my, my number five, Timeline. And this is a series of games. There's multiple different Timeline games, and they're exceedingly simple. It's a deck of cards. And it's different events in history. So you might have, I think there's a timeline inventions, and it would have different inventions through history. Or you might have a U.S. timeline, and it would be different famous things that happened, different wars, different uh, anything that happened in our country's history. And uh, the game is you have to put cards in the correct order as they come out of the deck so you have to decide oh, i don't know was mount rushmore built before or after martin van buren was president 
something like yeah. that. And you have to kind of order things. And I think it'd be a fun way to mm. pick up some history. No, I remember watching the review for this one and thinking that looks a lot more like schoolwork and less like a game. It's it's too close to schoolwork for me to call it a game. No, yeah. okay. Well, I think this one would be fun. It is less gamey, I suppose, than a lot of the other ones, but and and maybe closer to the the teaching side. But I think it would still be a lot of fun. And I bet it would be more fun than just staring at a sheet of paper and memorizing with the different yeah, dates I, of these okay, different Okay, when items. you put it that way, yes, <laughs> I, I guess it would be. So, I, I think it deserves to be on here. Yeah. That's my number five, Timeline. All right. My and they're number... also cheap. You can get them pretty okay. cheap because there's a deck of cards. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my number four is called Rampage. It oh, has I'm... since been renamed to Terror in Meeple City. I'm waiting to see how you stretch this one. Oh, this one's great. You're going to love it. Oh, boy. Uh, it was, I considered this one and uh, Pitch Car. And I think they both teach the same they thing, teach which you is how to flick. they teach you how to aim, they teach dexterity, and they teach good sportsmanship. So these are both very hmm. much take that games. And uh, if there's something that every person needs to learn, it's how to be a good sport. And in these games, you're very much, uh, well, for example, in Rampage, you're, you've got these buildings with people in them, and everybody is a monster, and you're trying to eat as many of the little meeples as you can, and you're also trying to steal teeth, knock other monsters' teeth out, and steal some of their goods that they've they've consumed. And so, it's very much a take that kind of game. And so, to play this game, you need to get over yourself and suck it up if uh, things are not going well for you, if you're just really bad at it, or if just everybody's ganging up on you. Uh, it teaches good sportsmanship, and that is a very valuable life lesson for everybody to learn. So that's my number four, Rampage. It is a very good lesson to learn. I just think you could learn it in any game. I don't, I don't know if it's specific. Not to necessarily in any game. I th and Rampage. I think this, but I think this is a very fun way to teach it. Who doesn't love the idea of being a monster going around destroying a city? Oh no! I mean, it's it's a really fun game with other for monsters, sure. Yeah. But I don't know that it really teaches anything useful. I mean, it teaches you to flick and drop pieces, but I don't know if that's going to help you outside of board games. It teaches aim and uh, dexterity. And that and helps that will you help with... you in so many areas of <laughs> okay. life that I am not going to take the time to mention them. Okay, uh, I can accept that. <laughs> I can accept a... Hey, uh, <laughs> an accession like that. <laughs> my number four, uh, Rampage. Concession. Okay. My number four is Sleuth. Do you remember this one? This it might be familiar. the oldest game on the list. Well, ball tag is probably pretty old. Throwing balls at people. I'm sure that's been around since the Dark Ages. Uh, but Sleuth. Ever since practical jokes have been around. <laughs> Sleuth is a deduction game. So picture Clue, but without the board, instead of three things to figure out, I think you have, oh boy, 
I don't remember off the top of my head. I should have looked it up. I don't remember how many things you have, how many pieces of knowledge, but you have more pieces of knowledge instead of just the three that you'd have in Clue. And instead of traveling around to different rooms and asking general questions, it's played a lot more like how you played Clue growing up, where you ask specific people questions. Which is a bad way to play Clue, by the way. I didn't discover this until I was an adult. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a really, it really just stretches out the game. We were wrong, Benzels. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> we were wrong with how we played Clue. It does make it take longer. But if you play Sleuth, it's going to be pretty similar to that game. And yeah, just learning deduction and logical thinking. I think this game would be a lot of fun. I know you weren't as impressed with it when we watched a review no, for I it. No, I was not. But I'd really like to pick this one up sometime. And I think it would be good. Uh, I mean, you have to keep records. And you can learn this in Clue as well, where you're keeping track of everything. What about Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? That's one where you're yeah. going around asking questions and you're keeping records of what you've Yeah, that one doesn't teach you and... deduction, though. Deduction is uh, where you yeah, have... Yeah, I suppose so. And you've... Yeah, that yeah. one is more induction, yeah. where you're trying to figure out these... Right. Obscure puzzles and riddles. I never learn anything from Sherlock Holmes Consulting (laughs) Detective except how bad I am at the game. (laughs) So, yeah. So I think you could say Clue. That is a more a more common one for sure. And I I just picked Sleuth because it's it's more pure deduction. And I wanted to pick one that wasn't as common. Maybe mention a game that is new to some people. Maybe some people want to check out. So. That's why it's my number four. We'll get it at some point. Maybe when the kids are older. Mm. And you can play it with us at least once. That's at least sleuth. once. I will give it that. Do anything at least once. Exactly. Just about. Except for drugs, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> my number three is a game we have not played or uh, owned. And it is called Founding Fathers. And mm, Okay. Honorable mention for me. Yeah, I thought this one looked interesting because it would help teach the legislative process. Yeah. And that's something I think most Americans aren't super familiar with. Uh, So the Board Game Geek description says that the goal is to be the founding father with the most renown at the end of the game, which consists of the making of the U.S. Constitution. Each round, an article of the Constitution is put up for consideration, which is either a federalist, anti-federalist, big state, or small state issue. Hmm. Players have a hand of three delegate cards that represent their respective states and also have a special ability. Players may use these cards' special abilities, use the cards to vote for or against the issue under consideration, or to try and claim tokens in each of the four types of issues. So, it just, it looks... Like, it would be a little more didactic, but yeah, I think it'd Mm be a fun way, a fun approach at what's normally a pretty dry process (laughs) and dry to learn about. So yeah, that's my number three. All right. Very good. Founding Fathers. My number three, and we just talked about deduction, even mentioned induction. My number three teaches induction, and it is Zendo. And Zendo is a game. Uh, It's going to be released the next year, I think. And I'm not sure what that one exactly is going to look like. 
but the previous versions you played with these little colored pyramid pieces. And so you might have small, medium, and large white pyramids, small, medium, large blue pyramids, small, medium, large green pyramids, etc. And then a bunch of white and black tokens. And the uh, leader, I think they're called the Zen master, comes up with some sort of rule. And it might be something like a blue pyramid has to be on top of a green pyramid. And then the people that are playing the game have to figure out what the rule is. And so, for example, the first person might take a red pyramid and lay it down on its side and put a white pyramid and a yellow pyramid next to it and says, "Is that, does this follow the rule? And the Zen master says, no, it does not follow the rule. And then they build a structure that does follow the rule to show them an example. And so now the person can see, okay, this one is a correct one to follow the rule. This one is an incorrect one, does not follow the rule. How are they different? And then the next person also builds one. And you keep going around, building multiple of these structures with your pyramids, trying to figure out what rule all of these correct ones have in common, all the incorrect ones do not have in common. And using induction, you can figure out what the rule is. So pretty simple game. It sounds maybe a little dry. It sounds like a really thinky kind of quiet game, but I really want to play it. It sounds like a lot of fun and I really get your thinking cap on. I think it sounds more like your type of game than my type of game. Yeah, maybe so. Because <laughs> I don't get all excited and start drooling when I think about it. Yeah, I like puzzles. and I like puzzles too. I just don't like the same kind of puzzles that you like. That's true. Most of the time. That's true. I like thinking puzzles as opposed to looking for the uh, the one green piece in the middle of the field of green pieces puzzle. Those that are fun, too. kind of fun. No, those are fun, too. But I like these thinking puzzles, I think, a little bit better. So I want to get this one when they come out with a new version. And we'll have to try it out with our children. See if they can get their Sherlock Holmes on, get their deerstalker out, get I'll their magnifying glass out. And yeah. a big smoking pipe. And a smoking jacket. That's my number three, Zendo. All right, my number two is a game called Freedom the Underground Railroad. Okay. And another one that we don't own, haven't played. It's about players are working to build up the strength of the abolition abolitionist movement through the use of notable figures and pivotal events. And so you're trying to strike the right balance between freeing slaves from plantations in the South and also raising funds which are desperately needed to allow the group to continue ab their abolitionist activities. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy. You're, you're working together, but you've got people and events that are uh, they can have a negative impact on the group's progress, and there's slave catchers roaming the board trying to catch the slaves that have, uh, you're helping to escape. And so I think it would be an interesting way to, uh, I mean, obviously we can't fully experience it, but uh, kind of right. get into the mindset of what it might have been like mm -hmm. back at that time. And, uh, you know, it's a an more important, thoughtful of a game. Right. Right. It's an important uh, thing that happened. Right. And so uh, it would, it would you know, teach history in a more interactive way. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's my number two, Freedom, the Underground Railroad. Yeah, I didn't think about this one at all. That's a good choice. Okay, my number two is also not a board game. It's actually kind of a computer game. There's a computer game aspect to it, at least. And it's called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. Oh, yes, I want to get this one. Uh, We actually do own it. We bought it maybe a year ago, and we've just never played it. Are you kidding? Nope. (sighs) Just just forgot about it. Well, I definitely have forgotten about it. Maybe play it with your brother when he visits. Let's let's play it. So, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes... The game is, it's almost like that old MacGyver episode where MacGyver was on the ship rigged with bombs and he had to talk the (laughs) ship's captain through defusing the bomb over over his walkie-talkie because there are bombs on two different parts of the ship and they both had to defuse the bombs at the same time Right, kind of thing. And so this game, one person is in front of the computer screen. And they have like a little computer game and there's a a kind of puzzly bomb that they have to defuse by clicking on certain things. And the other player has the manual for how to defuse the bomb, bomb, which I think is pretty big. It's like 20 pages or something. And And they're sitting in a different room is how you're supposed to do it. Or at least you could do it in the same room, but you're not supposed to be able to see each other. And so the person with the bomb has to describe what they're seeing on the screen. Okay, this bomb has two red wires and a green wire. And next to that is a yellow knob. And so the person with the manual is flipping through, trying to figure out, okay, okay, uh, with one with two red wires and a green wire, that mean, that's the I bomb where you need bomb. to... Yeah. Right, this specific feature, and you need to snip both the red wires and then the green wire. And so they're they're talking through the different things with... Why haven't we played this before? I really yeah, am we dying just, to play it now. We forgot about it pretty soon after we got it, I think. Ooh. And so uh, it really teaches communication because you, know, you don't have that visual that one of you has to be the eyes for the other person. And then you both have to communicate really well uh, over the phone, as it were. Or, or that non-visual communication. And then just uh, flipping through, trying to f- uh, find what you're hearing in the manual. Is there a time limit? Giving instructions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a ticking time bomb. And it's okay. going to explode if, if you don't do it quickly enough. So you have that time pressure. Uh, giving instructions, following instructions. And yeah, I think this would be... Uh, this would teach some good skills. Yeah. And would be a lot of fun too. Yeah, so we, we need, need to, to play this. Need to break this one out. <laughs> yep. So that's keep talking and nobody explodes. You can get it pretty cheap online because uh, I mean it's a computer game, and then you print out the manual yourself. So I want to say you could get it for ten or fifteen dollars. So check it out. That's my number two. Keep talking and nobody explodes. Boy, my number one sounds kind of anticlimactic after that one and Freedom the Underground Railroad. That's okay, I still have my number one. Like I said, I just kind (laughs) of, I didn't really think too much about how I organized these. Yeah. But my number one is a game we don't own, but have played a bunch of times, and it's called Caverna. Okay. So, the things that this one teaches are long-term strategy and planning, 
Uh, so when it's not your turn, you need to be planning ahead. Okay, I want to take this uh, action, which will in future turns allow me to uh, do these other things. You're, so you're dwarves and you're trying to build up your mine and, and excavate it and also uh, create uh, some nice farm and pasture land. And so you're re you really have to plan ahead about, okay, this turn and the next turn, I'm going to take, I'm going to go collect lumber so that on uh, three turns from now, I can build a house or something. And the other thing that I think this game really teaches is that you need to have backup plans uh, <laughs> because... Odds are somebody is going to take the move that you really wanted to make. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're probably going to take the first two or three moves that you really wanted to make. So you need to be able to adjust and think, okay, if these moves get taken on this turn, what can I do now that will still help me in future rounds so that I can still get the most points and possibly win before by the time the game ends? So, yeah, uh, that is definitely, I've learned a lot playing Caverna as far as <laughs> uh, having multiple strategies that if something really gets shot down, then I think okay, I can retrace my steps and think, okay, the whole game isn't a complete loss now because <laughs> this one strategy is not going to work out anymore. There right. are still multiple things I can do, and I it's ended up, I've gotten... I mean, I'm not going to say I'm really good at the game, but I've gotten decently good, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, I think the first game that uh, taught us this was Agricola. But Very I think, similar game. But I think Caverna does it a little bit better. So that's my number one. Long-term strategy and planning, and then it helps you learn to adjust your plans when they get ruined. Okay. Have multiple strategies. Yeah, that's a good choice. I thought about putting this on my list and then thought of another game that I actually thought would fit in that slot better. Oh, no. Honey. One that we haven't Not a played. Feast for Odin, are you? Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Neither of us have played it. It's called Power Grid. Okay. And the theme of it is you're building these power plants, you're building routes to different cities to nuclear deliver the power. Power plants? Some of them are nuclear, some of them are uh, coal. Okay. Or like. Right, hydroelectric, maybe some of them are. And so you're acquiring raw materials, you're you're doing auctions and uh, trying to build build up your routes, build up your power plants. And like you were saying with Caverna, teaching you to plan ahead, you really have to plan ahead in this one. You have to spend carefully so you learn right. how to make your money last. You can't just blow all your money right off right off the bat. You have to Plan ahead, spend it frugally and smartly. You have to use money to make money, which is pretty good life principle. Uh, and yeah, I think this one is definitely going to be the heaviest of the ones we've mentioned. And Pretty sure Caverna is the heaviest of the ones I've mentioned. Yeah. So it's not going to be until, uh, I don't know. Much later in life. Right. Middle school. Teen years. Maybe. Yeah, teenagers probably. They'd be up for this one. And, I mean, we haven't played it ourselves. And it's probably, it would probably be one of the heavier ones uh, that we would, uh, that we would play. But, yeah, I'm interested to try this one out. And 
I think a good heavy strategy game like this, uh, in addition to the things I mentioned, would be good just for in general strategic thinking, like you were saying with Caverna, and uh, just, uh, yeah, really looking forward to playing games with our children, strategic games. Yeah. And, you know, pretty much any of them could, could fit the bill for teaching strategic right. thinking. I think... I I just think uh, Power Grid fits with adding a few few extra things in there, money related. Right. I was thinking things. there's there's a lot that uh, we have that kind of fall under strategic thinking, right? Long term right. planning or multitasking. Mm-hmm. But I the ones that I selected I felt did those things the best. All right. Do you have any honorable mentions? Not really beyond. Uh, but wait, there's more. Okay. And that for all the reasons that you mentioned. Right. All right. Uh, I do have a few. A Candyland as a first game. And it is more of a teaching how to play games, I guess. Uh, you know, But following rules, taking turns, being a good winner, being a good loser. Hopefully they can learn that when we trot out Candyland. <laughs> right. They're a few years old. Portal, the computer game Portal. Okay. For problem solving. Yeah. And, For uh, that, I would suggest Legend thinking. of Zelda. Yeah. yeah, that one's fine. Portal's a little bit shorter, a little bit more puzzle-oriented. Zelda's a little more oriented, a little more... Right. But we're talking about... Fun. We're talking about teaching here, not whatever the I know. fun games. I'm, I'm saying this way, it's how can we help them learn in a fun way? Well, Portal's fun, too. You haven't played it, so... So you can't have an opinion Trust me on this one. <laughs> Trust me on this. Uh, let's see. Time's Up. I don't think you mentioned that one. No, I didn't. Creativity, communication, quick thinking, memory, cool <laughs> under pressure. Memory, yep. All, all would be good things for that one. Uh, math Flux. So uh, Flux, pretty random game, but I think the math one sounds like it would be good for just teaching basic arithmetic in a fun way and last one 1775 rebellion is one we've mentioned we're interested in playing and that would just be a would teach history from that period so and i'm a fan of that period so i think we could uh have some fun playing through that one maybe when the kids are going through american revolution in uh, one of their history classes yeah so it's been kind of a fun list sort of seeing i thought so I guess we only had the one crossover then mm-hmm. with Balderdash. Yeah, I thought I thought we'd cross over with Balderdash. I thought we might also cross over with, but wait, there's more. Yeah, So well, we almost did. Yeah, so that, those were the two I was thinking. Yeah, and there's a lot of really, I think games are a really great way, and not just board games, but uh, like you said, games in general mm-hmm. are a really great way to teach a lot of things that can apply to real life. Yep. So... Get your kids out there playing games, people. (laughs) So if you agree with us, disagree with us, have any questions, comments, ideas, uh, feel free to contact us. Our email address is tto at coser.us, or you can go to our website, tto.coser.us, add a slash 51, and you'll go straight to the show notes for this website, for this episode. Yeah, and I'd be interested in hearing if you have played games to teach your children. Ours, well, our child is pretty young, so... She's not two yet. Right. Haven't played any learning-type games yet. Yeah, so if you have any suggestions for us... if you have any 
that you've actually used with your children. Well, that'll be good to hear. Yeah. Get some concrete examples. For our next episode, number 52, we are going to have a special guest. Looking Someone forward to that. from a different side of the family. <laughs> I'm not going to say a better side, but I'm just going to throw it out that it is certainly a different side. Oh, it's certainly different. <laughs> I agree. 100%. Until next time, I'm Melissa Kozer. I'm Brian Kozer. And you've been listening to 10 to 1. All right, Melissa. So when you were making your list, was there anything that struck you as, okay, I, I want my children to learn this, and I really wish there was a game that would teach it? Do yeah, there there was, actually. And uh, we've, we just recently watched a review for a game about music and music theory, and I got so excited and so pumped i really wanted this game i i thought it looked good and i i, I really wanted to like it and then the reviewer said it's not a good game <laughs> and we trust his opinion when he says something's not a good game it's not a good game and so i really really want a board game that teaches music theory and just music in general in a fun way a fun interactive way so, if there's perchance any board game designers out there listening to us, I doubt it, but if perchance, then uh this is this would be a good challenge for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be good. I don't know how you would do it. And that's I know. why we're not the game designers. Exactly. <laughs> and the one that I was thinking of was I wish there was a game and maybe there is, and I just don't know about it. A game to teach personal finance in a fun way. So this would be you know, teach you basic budgeting, perhaps, uh, definitely basic investing. Uh, so almost like, I mean, I'm kind of picturing almost like a game of life kind of game, except without, um, you know, all of the, the other things that go with uh, those type games, just focusing on, uh, you know, the stock market, personal budget, saving, and yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's good skills to learn how to save for your goals, how not to spend more than your income, how if you put money onto a credit card or if you take a loan and you don't pay it back right away, it's going to start building up and going to be more and more that you have to pay back. So I think that would be really helpful. This one would probably be more towards the teaching side than the fun right. side necessarily but I would, I'd really love to see that yeah and uh I've thought about possibly making it as a as a website if there isn't anything like this by the time our, our children are older because I don't think it would be too difficult to put together making a game online, yeah well this a would, computer game yeah well I mean for this kind of game it wouldn't have to be any sort of like video and graphics it could be right a web page and you click through with things and the stock market changes hmm. in the background as you buy stocks or as you uh you know take out loans to buy a car things like that so yeah 
might have to have to build it myself sometime if they don't don't come out with anything in the next 15 years. Well, I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> Thank you. Go go get your dreams. <laughs>